welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana from Reed Smith. Welcome back to Tech Law Talks and our M365 and 5 e-discovery series, where we explore some of the e-discovery challenges with M365. We are joined today by John Collins from Lighthouse and from Therese Caparo from Reed Smith. Welcome, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about Teams AV. This is the, the conferencing system from Teams, the Zoom-like thing where you can do lots of things in terms of audio, video, chatting, all kinds of stuff. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's start with Therese. What is What are some of the unique challenges of just in terms of the data sources that are associated with a, a Teams AV conference? You know, what I think is interesting about Teams AV in 365 is that there are a, a number of artifacts related to the meeting. I think that oftentimes people think of an AV meeting as audio and visual, and that's all that there is. And with Teams AV, there are so many different kinds of artifacts that can be used in association with the meeting. But from an e-discovery perspective, what you have to watch out for is those things aren't always easily associated with the meeting. It's not, there's not a nice package where all the things related to the meeting sit in one folder and it says meeting with so-and-so on X date and you can just go find it. It's a matter of identifying which meetings you care about and then saying, how do I find the pieces of information that relate to that meeting? So I think from an e-discovery perspective, there are a lot of challenges with Teams AV in piecing together all of the different artifacts that give you information about that meeting. And just give some examples of some of the artifacts that you know the plaintiffs bar and regulators may be interested in that, that people may be using. Right, as because they're productive and all that kind of stuff in a meeting, and, and probably really important to the getting the context of the meeting. Sure, I mean, the most obvious one is chat. Right, there's a, you can have a chat during the AV. Everyone in the meeting can see the chat. You're typing back and forth. So there's those chats which are sitting in somebody's mailbox somewhere where they were talking about what was happening in the meeting. There's things like whiteboards, electronic whiteboards, where you can draw on the whiteboard during the meeting on whatever topic you're talking about. There's things like shared notes, where somebody during the meeting is actively taking notes on what's happening and people can contribute to those notes during the meeting. There's, there's of course, the recording in and of itself. If the meeting is recorded, there's the actual recording, audio and visual of that meeting. There's also things like transcripts. So after the fact, somebody can automatically create a transcript, the written words of what was said during the meeting that also is going to reflect the content. So there's a lot of new kind of tools that are associated with these Teams AV meetings that shed light on or give more information about what actually happened during the meeting itself. Yeah, no, fascinating. And then, so John, you know, one of the challenges that we see is, and one of the things that's probably most relevant to Teams AV meetings are who actually participate in the meeting. Could you just give some understanding of like, what are the challenges associated with identifying who actually was part of that meeting? Sure. So you can have multiple personas that join a meeting. You've got internal folks that are actually authenticated and part of the organization's tenant. 
so they can clearly join a meeting, but then you can have external parties joining a meeting and there's multiple types of external parties. You could have somebody that dials in just using a phone. Uh, and that means that they're going to show up in the various attendance reports as just a phone number. Uh, you have folks that can join from their computer that are not guests in your tenant. They're just external parties. They join, and when they join as essentially anonymous users, they can type in a name. Uh, and then you have guest users that are people that are actually guests in your organization tenant organization's tenants. And the different reports that Microsoft generates when you have meetings will reflect the information that you get about these different personas will be based on how they joined and the type of user that they are. So, and you could have somebody internal that calls in from a phone number and it would not identify them as an internal user. So this is all really complicated. So you mentioned some of the reports. So what are the sources within M365 that can give you some information about who actually attended and, and what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of those reports? Sure. So there's so this is a moving target. So it's something that folks should really pay attention to in terms of evolvement in the in the technology. But basically there's currently two types of reports. There's a meeting summary, which gets generated for every meeting, and that gets put into a hidden folder in each participant's mailbox, if assuming they're an internal user. And that particular report actually gives you the information about who joined for anyone that's authenticated, anyone that's part of the tenant. However, that particular report, uh, if you join as a external user and you type in the name, say, John Collins, that report will only show a GUID. It won't, a GUID just being a 19-digit uh, meaningless number. Now, there's another report that gets generated that's not stored in the user's mailbox that actually gets generated and is available to the person that organized the meeting. And it shows up in the organizer's chat stream. And that's called an attendance report. And that actually does capture the name of that external user. However, that particular report is not subject to the built-in e-discovery tools, whereas the meeting summary that's in the mailbox is. So again, it's, as you said, it's, there's some, some nuance to that. Yeah. And how about audit logs? Is, are, are audit logs, we hear a lot about that. Is, is that going to give you any information that may be helpful in identifying or what happened during a meeting? Yes. I mean, the audit logs are there, but they're not packaged in a way like in another podcast or, or maybe I think Therese might have been say, saying it earlier. It's not, it's not packaged in a nice way where everything's in one place. And it's just a stream of information in the audit log. So you can get the information out, but then you have to paste it together. Uh, you may not have all the context. So uh, there's there's a lot of work to do if you're trying to reconstruct who was in a meeting and when, uh, especially if you have external users. Yeah. And then so to raise some strategically, you know, what do you do here, right? I've got a really important meeting. The DOJ's asking, I want this meeting, everything about it. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think... What you really need to be doing is thinking very carefully about what do I need for a meeting and when do I need it? You've heard John talking about how these attendance reports are spread out all over. That's also true with some of the items that I talked about earlier. And some of them, just like the attendance reports, are not available through the e-discovery tools. They're not going to be automatically preserved or collected. Things like whiteboards. 
which today at least are not automatically, you know, able to be preserved or collected. Similarly, same thing with transcripts. So when you're talking about what do I need for a meeting? And this needs to be communicated across the organization, right? Your, your e-discovery teams need to know, your in-house litigators need to know, your outside counsel needs to know. If you think you may need, there are meetings that are really important to your case. You're going to want to go out there and try to find these things for those meetings to make sure they're preserved or collected because you're not going to get them automatically. So from a strategic standpoint, I think you have to sit down and say, for this case, are there meetings that are critically important? If they are, what am I going to do to go and get that information either for preservation or collection? And that's going to have to be a thought process that happens for each case to make sure that you're getting the data that you need, but that you're not always trying to go out for every case and find all the whiteboards, whether or not it relates to your meetings, because that's virtually impossible. Yeah. And I think this just shows that like all these uh, podcasts in this M365 and 5 eDiscovery series, M365 makes eDiscovery really complicated and you have to do a lot of thinking, which is, you know, not what we're used to. We, we want to just send over the email and run our search terms. And that's not the way discovery is going to work in M365. So thanks, guys. I think that was really helpful. We're going to have obviously more in this series. So please join us. Thanks for joining today. Bye. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.